Days with Jesus. Today's message is from Matt Wallace, and our song for today is called Have Mercy on Me. I just love the way that the verses of that song were written, and you'll hear more about that at the end. But first, Pastor Matt. All right, opening question for this morning. Uh, who did you vote for and why? No, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm not going <laughs> to... You guys know me. I wouldn't ask that question. Uh, here, here's the real question for the day. Uh, it is this, what comes to mind when you hear the phrase, the end times? What comes to mind when you hear the phrase, the end times? What, what do you picture? Or what do you think of? Is there a Bible verse that comes to mind? Something from pop culture? A feeling that you get when you hear it? What comes to mind when you hear the phrase, the end times? You can jump on the live chat if you're worshiping along with us at home, or you can text your answer to 407-842-8884. So today we are talking uh, about the end times. Actually, uh, so these readings you may not know, uh, they come to us from, uh, um, they're called pericopes. They're, uh, it's a three-year cycle, and there's three readings for every Sunday, uh, a gospel lesson, uh, an epistle uh, from the New Testament, and an Old Testament lesson. And this week, two of them were about the end times, or at least about what people think are the end times. And so that is what we are talking about today. Um, That said, um, I was kind of put in mind from this, or or of this, uh, by some of the recent uh, political rhetoric I've been hearing. Now, you guys know I don't really talk about politics much. Uh, I don't talk about any certain politics, but I do sometimes just talk about how they in general affect our lives and how we interact with them as Christians. And uh, man, speaking of the end of the world, you know what I mean? Uh, It is so funny to me that every year, it seems like, or every election cycle, and I'm 50 years old now, and I've been doing this since I was 18, and uh, every year, this is the most important election of our lifetime, right? If you don't turn out and vote for this side or that side, the country's going to be destroyed in the next four years, right? And it, of course, never happens. I'm not saying nothing ever changes. Things do. It can be important. But by and large, life goes on. But I wanted to talk about it for another reason, just for a moment here, because one of the ideas we're going to see present as we look through this passage from Malachi is this kind of idea of uh, what team are you on? What side are you on? What, uh, what group do you consider yourself to be a part of? <clears throat> I've noticed very much so that when it comes to politics, people tend to choose up sides. Now, <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with belonging to a side, belonging to a community, belonging to a group, because a lot of times we find support there, we find like-minded people, uh, and we feel like we can get things done when we're a part of that. But there can sometimes be a bit of an ugly side to it, and that is when uh, it becomes really part of your whole identity. And a lot of times when this happens, and you don't only see it in politics, it's just so obvious there, uh, but a lot of times uh, people tend to start thinking that indeed the world will end if their side doesn't win, uh, if the other side gets their way. And then the other thing that I see happen sometimes that we have to be careful of and watch 
is that sometimes we get tempted to just vilify the other side. And what we're going to find that is, as we look at this passage today, uh, many times the people that we vilify because they're on the other side of one issue, when it comes to the church, when it comes to the people of God, are actually still on our side. The same group, the same people that we are a part of. And so even though uh, there is some stuff about the end times and what we're going to be talking about today, there's also a bit about identity and who we belong to and what group we're a part of. Uh, Pastor Chris, did we get some answers, though? What comes to mind when people hear the phrase, the end times? Hey, everybody. Yes, we got a ton of responses. Martha just responded. It's the end of the world as we know it. Oh, yeah. R.E.M. R.E.M. Yeah, she just gave me the song lyrics. Okay, a few more. Uh, Karen said the end of pain and suffering. I like what uh, Carolyn Pepper said. She said the trumpet sounds, Jesus comes, and evil is gone. Uh, Jesus and the angels in the sky. Somebody said, you know, that stuff in Revelation. Oh, and horsemen. Yeah. So, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're, the four horsemen. That's right. Uh, your wife said, kind of like waiting for the screen repair guy this morning, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And Chris Otterino is banned from ever texting again. He said, well, no, it's the end of the world when Iowa wins a football game. Not cool. Uh, Not cool. <laughs> Not cool. <laughs> so uh, there are a lot of questions people have uh, whenever we talk about the end times, right? There's a lot of confusion out there, and uh, I'm not really going to be able to deal with all of this today, but there's also a lot of myths and misconceptions about the end times. Um, but one of the key questions that people tend to have is, when will this happen? When will this happen? When will these things come to pass, man? People have written books on that subject. People have made prophecies. Sometimes people choose a date. Uh, and then it doesn't, and then they just choose a different date. Uh, I don't get how that works, really. People keep buying their books, but uh, um, we are going to answer that question at least a little bit today. Uh, we are going to find that part of the answer is uh, maybe already, and the other part of the answer is we don't really know. Uh, so we'll see how satisfying that is as we dig into it. But the other thing that people a lot of times think of and fear and question about the end times is this, those, there's always uh, these scenes of judgment and destruction. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times death too, right? Death, destruction, even in today's uh, text of this Malachi, there's fire and, you know, all of this stuff, right? And so it seems very scary, Sometimes when we talk about the end times, our first uh, impulse is kind of fear. Uh, I, I saw a, a, a bumper sticker once that I really liked. I'm usually not a big fan of bumper stickers, but I loved this one. Uh, it said, Jesus is coming, look busy. Uh, and so, but that is a lot of times like we have this kind of nervous, anxious uh, fear about when Jesus is coming back. Um, but that's not how we are supposed to react. That's not actually how the thought of the coming of the Lord is supposed to make us feel. In fact, in today's text, in verse 2, it says this, You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Now, 
Maybe you've never seen a calf go leaping out of a stall. So I was kind of thinking of something else that might be a little more timely for us. It's still not going to land with everybody. But for those of us that are dog owners uh, or have ever owned a dog, you know how a dog reacts when you pull out the ball, uh, the tennis ball, and the dog sees it? What does the dog do? Uh, so our dog Cheyenne, uh, she literally prances. She like bounces up and down. She gets so excited when she sees that ball. That's what we're supposed to feel when we think about the coming of the Lord. That's how we're supposed to react when we think about the last day. That's joy. That's happiness. We should be filled with joy and excitement over the coming of the Lord. And yet, instead, we often just get scared. We get like a lump in the pit of our stomachs, right, over this thought of the end times, of the coming of the Lord. Why is that? Well, we're going to answer that question, but before we do, I have a second question for you. It's this. It's simply this. Name a group of which you consider yourself to be a part. Name a group of which you consider yourself to be a part. It can be a formal organization that you've joined. Maybe a club or something like that. It could, be, uh, it could be a little more existential, like you're like, well, I think, like I'm an artist, and so I consider myself to be part of this group of creative people that's artists, you know. Uh, whatever it may be, uh, what is a group of which you are a part? Again, you can text your answer to 407-842-8884. Why do we sometimes fear the coming of the Lord? when in Scripture we're often told we should be looking forward to it. Well, I do think it is often because of those scenes of judgment and destruction. Again, in the text we just read, it says this, Behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. That doesn't sound good, right? Already, off the, off the bat, that does not sound good. Burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. That does sound scary, right? That does sound frightening. It's a terrible judgment. But who is that judgment meant to come upon? Well, here in this text, it says the arrogant and all evildoers. It comes upon the arrogant and all evildoers. So think about the implications of that. If that is who the judgment is coming for, and we fear that judgment, we find it scary and frightening, then that means that in some way, whether consciously or unconsciously, we must be thinking we're a part of that group, that we are a part of that group of the arrogant and the evildoers. Because that's who this judgment is coming for. So if we fear it, we must think we are part of that group. Pastor Chris, what other groups do people think they're a part of? Wow, we have a lot. And in fact, a few people have mentioned a group that you're a part of, and that is the Jeep group. Oh, uh, yeah, my wife has a Jeep Wrangler. Yeah. So I, I have a question for you, Pastor Matt. I've seen yeah. some people have 
those rubber ducks in their Jeep. What is <laughs> right. up with that? Yeah, so that's a fun thing. Like, that's one cool thing about being a part of that community uh, of Jeep owners is they do this thing. And I don't know the origin of it, like where it came about or why they chose this, but they take those little rubber ducks that, you know, used to have in the bathtub when you were a baby, and they give those to other Jeep owners. You'll walk out sometimes, you'll be at the store, you'll go out to your Jeep, and someone will have tucked a little rubber duck like in your door handle or you know, under your wiper blade or whatever. In fact, Lana, because um, it's, it's really her Jeep, she's really the one, uh, she's got a whole bag of them in the back seat that whenever she sees someone else's Jeep, she runs and puts a duck on it. Yeah. That's interesting because one of our teachers, Clay Gopal, at the school, he caught this girl putting, he owns a Jeep, he caught her putting one of those rubber ducks on his Jeep, and then he said, well, she's kind of cute, and asked her on a date, and ah. they've been dating for like <laughs> months now, so that was, that's I guess awesome. community pays off. Right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, we have a lot of Lake Mary Rams. <laughs> Somebody said he's part of the Weird Uncles Club. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's funny, um, and I I don't I'm gonna hit. So yeah, no. Zoe Zoe says that she's part of the Toeheads Club. Oh, that uh, means blonde, like okay. light light haired. Good. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 Uh, a lot of people, of course, saying they're believers, and a lot of people part of. <laughs> somebody said I'm part of a mom's club, and I get 60 texts a day from them with support and all that. Oh, so actually, we have a that's lot awesome. of community yeah. all over the place. Yeah. So we do see. Uh, the good that can come out of being a part of a community, being part of a group. It's that mutual support, right? I love that story about how that guy, is this his wife now or they're just dating? No, they're just dating. They're, they're just, just dating, dating but yeah. still, yeah, so he met his girlfriend, you know, through right. this little thing. Uh, yeah, I, that story, I thought you were going to say he yelled at her or something like that. <laughs> like, but, <laughs> what are you doing? Right. Uh, no, so that's great. A much better story than I was initially thinking. Uh, so, yeah. Um, in this case, if we fear this judgment, perhaps we're seeing us as a part of this group of the arrogant and evil. Uh, and there's, well, let's be honest. I mean, there's a little truth in that, right? Uh, if we look at Scripture, uh, we, it's full of passages that talk about how we all have sinned, right? Everyone has sinned. Um, everyone has done evil. It says that if we fail to recognize that, then we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And it talks about how that uh, sinful part of ourselves is opposed to God and opposed to the things of God. And so it is probably, uh, you know, coming out of that, a little bit of a sense of like recognizing our sin. Well, I know I'm not perfect. I know I have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so then we read that passage and it says, you know, the arrogant and evildoers. And we go, oh man, sometimes I've been arrogant. Sometimes I've done evil. Like, and then, so we start to put ourselves in that group. But here's the thing that we're missing. This text isn't dividing people up between those who have sinned and those who have not sinned. Because first of all, there is no group of people who have not sinned. So that's not the division. The division is whether you fear God or not. The division is whether you are with God or not. Right? If you're not with God, then you're in that group of the arrogant and the evildoer. But we're not in that group because we are with God. It's about what team you're on. It's about what side you're on. It's about which group you're a part of. That's what matters. And when you're a part of that group, the people of the Lord, we get to have joy 
at the Lord's coming because the Lord fights for His people. In verse 2 it says, But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act says the Lord of hosts. Not because we do it, but because God has done it for us. I had a cool little, almost like eye-opening experience a a couple of weeks ago. Um, I've been going to the same place, uh, the same lady to get my hair cut for many, many years. And uh, um, so I know her, I see her, she lives in Sanford too, so I I see her around all the time. We've kind of become friends. And um, she is, and no, no offense to any of you that are from this place, but she's a New Yorker. She's from New York. She's a little loud, a little outspoken for a, a Midwestern boy like me. Sometimes that comes on a little strong, right? But the other day, uh, not the other day, it was a couple weeks ago, I was going to get my hair cut, and uh, her place has... Parallel parking out in front, because it's in downtown Sanford. And the parallel parking, are divi- there's always two spaces together. So I'm going, I'm going to park right in front of her place. There's a truck in front of me, and that truck pulls in, which is fine. There's two spaces, right? But as the truck pulls in, it just stops right in the middle and takes up both spaces. And so all the other spaces are full, so I have to drive like a block down and park at another, finally find an open spot. Now, not a big deal. I don't really care, right? But as I'm walking up to her place, she comes out. And the people have gotten out of the truck, and they're walking down the sidewalk. And really loud, like loud enough for them to hear, she goes, Oh, Matt, I'm really sorry somebody took up both of these spaces when they didn't need to. So you had to walk a whole extra block, right? (laughs) And it was was kind of funny, but what I realized was she was sticking up for me, right? I'm a long-time customer, her kind of a friend. She sees me as one of her people, and she sticks up for her people. And that's a great thing. And if we do that for one another, if we can do that for one another, imagine what it's like to have God stick up for you. Imagine what it's like to have God on your side. Because God fights for us. And when, when does this happen? We're finally going to answer this question. When the good news is, guys, it already has. It already has. In verse 5, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Does that sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? Because it gave rise to a belief that before the Messiah would come, the prophet Elijah would return. And Jesus talked about this. Do you remember? Jesus talked about this in the Gospels. He, He said, if you have faith to believe it, John the Baptist fulfilled this, that he is the Elijah that was to come. That means that this happened when Jesus came, the first time. Not the second time that we're still waiting on, but the first time was when this was fulfilled. 
That does mean, by the way, that we're in the end times now. That is a part of what's going on here. But it also means that Jesus has done these things for us already, right? Verse 6, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. Now, the bit about destruction at the end might throw you off, but that's the gospel right there, guys. That's the gospel. Because consider this, judgment does hang over us due to sin. But God does not want to judge us. He does not want to punish us. He wants to save us. And so he sends his Messiah, he sends his son to do just that. And the Messiah brings healing through the forgiveness of sins. The son of righteousness shall rise with healing on its wings. And he turns the hearts of fathers to their children and children to their fathers. This is already done, both as he has restored our relationship with our heavenly father and made us his children, and also as he brings healing to our relationships with one another through the power of forgiveness. Jesus has already done this. And doing that for us makes us his people. It makes us God's people, not through blood or biology, uh, not through culture, certainly not through our own works, but by the saving work of Jesus Christ. And as God's people, we're reminded in passages like this that God fights for his people. God brings victory to his people. God brings new life to his people and promises us eternal life. So we don't have to fear the day of the Lord. We don't have to fear the coming of the Lord. And we certainly don't have to fear all the doom and gloom we see around us all the time. Instead, we can rejoice in the thought that Jesus is coming. We can rejoice in the thought that all of that pain and suffering will come to an end. Because we know that God cares for his people. And he will bring to fruition all the promises that he has made to us on that great and glorious day. And in his name, amen. Our song for today is called Have Mercy on Me, and it was written a few months ago by Andy Weiss, Kara Berg, and John Gruen. And I asked John to share with us um, a little bit about this song here. So, John, tell us about this great song. Thanks, Kevin. I'll be happy to tell you about this song. Kara Berg, Andy Weiss, and I wrote this song at the Songwriter Retreat at Concordia University, Irvine, uh, in May of 2022. And we were challenged to write a song about a biblical narrative. We actually chose three. We wrote this song from the perspective of three different people who called out to Jesus for mercy, uh, a blind man, a leper, and the Canaanite woman. And uh, our first draft of the song Uh, put you in their own shoes, and and the wording was from their own perspective. Um, That was a little complicated, though, for for a worship song, that constant change of perspective. So we we changed the lyrics a little bit here uh, so that one singer can relate to all three different verses, all three of those those narratives. Uh, And the chorus ties it all together. It's the ancient prayer, the Kyrie, Lord have mercy. Uh, In this version here, You'll hear Kara playing the piano and singing, 
Uh, it's also been recorded with just an acoustic guitar and singing. At the retreat, we had keys, guitar, cajon, melody, and harmony. And I know Andy's working on a full-scale production version of it now. So it's a pretty versatile song, which is, which is fitting uh, for a very versatile prayer, an ancient prayer uh, that calls on God to have compassion on us and to act because he is a merciful God. Uh, and I hope you all enjoy the song. It's a beautiful one. I 